China has launched regular patrols in the waters near Jingmen and Xiamen. It's also denied the existence of restricted or prohibited areas nearby. The moves come after two Chinese fishermen drowned while being chased by Taiwanese Coast Guard, which said the men had trespassed into prohibited waters. Responding to China's denial, Taiwan's government said that restricted and prohibited waters were legally established in 1992. A scholar says China's denial is an attempt to erode Taiwan's sovereignty. The Taiwan Affairs Office has stated that fishermen from both sides of the strait have long fished in the waters around Xiamen and Jinmen, asserting that there is no such thing as prohibited or restricted areas there. According to Chinese state media, the Taiwan Affairs Office has denied the existence of prohibited or restricted areas near Xiamen and Jinmen. The country's Coast Guard has initiated regular patrols in the area. The Fujian Coast Guard will ramp up its maritime law enforcement and conduct regular patrols in the waters near Xiamen and Jinmen. The waters around Jingmen were designated as restricted and prohibited by Taiwan's defense ministry on October 7, 1992, in line with the act governing relations between the people of the Taiwan area and the mainland area. Taiwan's government said that, based on a shared understanding of these restricted and prohibited waters, China and Taiwan had previously cooperated on maritime law enforcement and rescue operations in the area. An expert says that China's denial today is politically motivated. The Chinese Communist Party wants to use this as an opportunity to stir up trouble and provoke Taiwan by denying the sovereignty of the ROC. Its actions aim to show the international community and the general public in Taiwan that the ROC doesn't have sovereignty over the area and to turn the Taiwan Strait into its domestic waters. The Taiwan government must keep a close watch on whether China's Coast Guard will enforce maritime law or create trouble and conflict in the area. China's Coast Guard says it will conduct regular patrols. According to a Chinese ship tracking website, four Chinese Coast Guard vessels sailed in waters to the north, south and southeast of Jinmen Monday morning. So far, the Chinese Coast Guard has not said its vessels will enter Jinmen waters, that is to say, restricted areas controlled by the ROC government. It hasn't said it will do that, so we don't need to react to such a thing. Taiwan has adopted a cautious stance to China's potential moves. Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council says it will continue to enforce maritime law without change. China's patrols will be a test for Taiwan's Coast Guard, which must navigate the higher risk of conflict before border enforcement. For Taiwanese fishermen, this enforcement by the Coast Guard is crucial to protecting their livelihoods. Chinese fishing boats come every day. So long as the weather is fair, those boats come at night. When we are fishing, they come right up to us and set their nets. Honestly, this kind of thing happens a lot. One net costs more than 4,000 NT. Penghu alone loses some 200 million NT to 300 million NT in gill nets each year. A maritime authority enforces the law just enough, but I think it should crack down harder. We always have to go out of our way to avoid Chinese boats. 
Through a group chat, we've told our fishermen to watch out for the safety at sea and to report any incidents back to the association over the radio. With China ramping up patrols, Jingmen's Fishermen's Association has asked members to prioritize their safety and to report any issues they encounter at sea. The legislative yuan has formed two friendship groups to deepen ties with parliaments in France and Poland. The new groups will be chaired by DPP lawmaker Michelle Lin with former lawmaker Ling Jingyi as honorary chair. The French and Polish representatives to Taiwan attended the group's inauguration ceremony. Lawmakers smile broadly for a photo op. One day before the start of the new legislative session, DPP lawmaker Michelle Lin formed two parliamentary groups for France and Poland. Over the past four years, we have seen the power of conducting exchanges at the parliamentary level, at the civic level. Through both the executive branch and the legislative branch, we have seen countries around the world show their friendship and support for Taiwan. Lin will chair both parliamentary groups. The inauguration event was attended by lawmakers new and old. In recent years, France has been vocal in its support of Taiwan on various issues, including freedom of navigation and participation in global organizations. Taiwan's representative to France, François Wu, gave a pre-recorded message at the event, thanking Parliament for its role in the Taiwan-France friendship. Taiwan and France's friendship has continued to grow. Two years ago, the French Senate passed a pro-Taiwan resolution 304 to 0. Last year, both chambers of the French Parliament passed a defense bill that defended freedom of navigation in the Taiwan Strait. Representatives from Poland and France were present as well. They emphasized Taiwan's importance on the global stage. It's so important to create further um, institutions, uh, further bodies, uh, which allow smooth and great cooperation between parliaments, between democracies, especially in this uh, very uh, difficult times. Here in Taiwan is to help you expand this positive image of Taiwan and of the Taiwanese democracy. Amid difficult times, Taiwan is joining hands with global democracies in hopes of creating new opportunities for cooperation. With Yoshi Quinn resigning as legislator, a new DPP lawmaker at large has been sworn in. It's Wang Zhenxu, a renowned physician who is ranked number 13 on the DPP's party list. Wang is the chair of the Hope Foundation for Cancer Care. He says that in the legislative yuan, he will focus on health care and cancer prevention. Arm held high, renowned physician Wang Zhengshu is sworn in as lawmaker at large. Legislative Speaker Han Guoyu extends his blessing. Also at the ceremony were DPP caucus whip Ke Jianming and DPP lawmakers Zhang Reixiong and Wu Siyao. Wang, who specializes in hematology and oncology, is a chair of the Hope Foundation for Cancer Care. He was ranked 13th on the DPP's party list. After Yoshi Kun's resignation, Wang has become the party's only lawmaker at large with a medical background. President elect Lai Qingde has very high expectations for building a healthy Taiwan. My efforts will be directed toward improving the people's health and providing support on this front. 
Wang endorsed Lai's plan to create a 10 billion NT fund for advanced cancer drugs and treatments, with the goal of reducing cancer deaths by a third by 2030. Wang says he hopes to join the Social Welfare and Environmental Hygiene Committee and run for committee convener. That's a goal. That's one of my goals. I've only just come into this new environment, so I need to take some time to learn. My model is former lawmaker Chiu Taiyuan, who is here today. He has high expectations for me. I am certain that, with his medical expertise and kind-heartedness, he will take good care of the people's health. He will have the full support of the medical community and from our medical resources. Wang says he will use his expertise to reform Taiwan's healthcare system and make progress in cancer prevention. The Czech Republic might be 9,000 kilometers away, but many Taiwanese have made the trek in recent years. One expat founded her own Chinese language school, where she uses the Mandarin phonetic symbols of Zhuang to teach traditional characters. The school has attracted not only overseas Taiwanese, but also many Czech students. Our reporter recently visited one of her classes in the Czech capital of Prague. An instructor is using a computer to teach her young students Chinese pronunciation, but this familiar classroom isn't in Taiwan. It's in Prague. The Czech Republic had never had a school for expats. We wanted to give all kids a chance to study their mother tongue and encounter culture from Taiwan. Since I have two kids myself, we wanted to bring everyone's strengths together and more easily consolidate our resources. Wanting to provide a Chinese language environment for her kids, Mia founded a language school that teaches traditional characters with Zhuang phonetics. We do so much to teach them while they're young. Once they start school, no one will be speaking Chinese around them, so they'll stop learning. When Mia approached me, I thought it would be good to teach other children as though they were my own. Our kids can gather with other Chinese-speaking children every week to develop their sense of Taiwanese identity. We think it's a wonderful thing. Many expats are thrilled to have a language school in the Czech Republic, but it's not just Taiwanese. Many Czech students also enroll. Czech people are very interested in Taiwanese culture, so we also have local students whose parents are both Czech who start taking classes from three years old. The association has now developed many fascinating courses in the hopes of introducing more Czech people to Chinese language and Taiwan. National airlines are expanding flights to Japan, one of Taiwan's favorite tourist destinations. The move comes just ahead of TSMC launching a plant in Kumamoto, which is expected to drive Taiwan-Japan travel. Besides adding services to Japan, carriers are also expanding in Northeast and Southeast Asia. They're slightly moving the focus toward Northeast and Southeast Asian flights. Taiwan has a high rate of travel to Japan, and Japan's public security is good. So airlines are also planning for more business travel and tourism to Japan. Starting next Tuesday, China Airlines will boost services from Taoyuan to Kumamoto, running five flights a week. Starting March 31st, it will offer 24 flights a week to Kyushu. As for Eva Air, it also plans to add flights to Kyushu as well as to Matsuyama on the island of Shikoku. Taipei Arena is getting ready to host the World Junior Figure Skating Championships this month, and work is underway to create a perfect ice rink. Engineers and equipment have been brought in from South Korea to achieve the smoothest surface. 
We take you behind the scenes to see the process. Staff spray water onto the concrete rink where already ice is forming. Once the surface is completely smooth, it's good to go. After each spraying, they wait two to three hours for the water to freeze. Then another layer is set on top like a tiered cake. Staff are working round the clock to prepare for the World Junior Figure Skating Championships at the end of this month. Without everyone's concerted efforts, this wouldn't be possible. It takes five to seven days to create an ice rink to the highest standards to make it good for top-tier competition. Taipei Arena enlisted six technicians who worked at the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics to make sure the ice is perfect. There are three refrigeration machines at work: one brought over from South Korea and two belonging to Taipei. Pay Arena. Engineers expect it will take a week to cover the 1,800 square meter concrete rink with four to five centimeters of ice. There were some difficulties in lowering temperature more to make ice. There were hurdles, but now it's all going well. The outside temperature is quite high, so the water freezes more slowly. Ice skaters are performing increasingly hard moves at competitions. If the ice is of bad quality, even Yuzuru Hanyu would be in trouble on the rink. Once the rink surface is cooled to minus nine degrees Celsius, more water is piped on the top. A level rink is crucial so that the skaters from 45 countries can show off their best moves at the competition. Fuxing Township in Zhanghua County boasts the most dairy cows in Taiwan, contributing a staggering quarter of the country's milk production every year. One farm specially imported a back scratcher from Germany worth more than 100,000 NT solely for the purpose of massaging its cows. The farmer says that by making the cows more comfortable, they produce more milk of a higher quality. A cow stretches her neck out to press against a rapidly whirling brush, looking thoroughly satisfied with the massage. This is a back scratcher built especially for dairy cows. This farm is pretty special. They imported a machine from Germany to serve as a back scratcher. It also brushes their hair. The cows are comfier and their coats are cleaner. They spent so much money to install this machine. This is a blessing for the consumer. Happier cows make for better tasting milk. Importing just one machine from Germany costs more than 100,000 NT, all with the aim of helping dairy cows scratch hard to reach spots. But the farmer says he is willing to spend that much on making his cows comfortable because his investment is returned with higher quality milk. The back scratcher is a form of animal welfare. Cows are just like us. If we have an itch we can't reach, it'll bother us. But cows don't have hands, plus they have fur that gathers dirt. After a brush, they'll feel better. They'll line up for a turn and find the best angles themselves. It also improves their circulation, meaning they'll produce more milk. Spending so much to reward his hardworking staff was an easy decision for the dairy farmer. The cows line up patiently on their own to brush away the grime. As a result, they are not only happier, but their coats are gleaming as well. This is what it means to enjoy employee benefits. Today we meet a new immigrant from Britain who, along with his wife, is serving Taiwan's vibrant design field. Gideon Lowy is a designer and architect who has lived in Taiwan for over 20 years. After a successful career in Europe, he and his wife decided to make their home in Taiwan because of its unique and powerful social opportunities. Lowy works with government, business and academia to design life afresh.
Born in Britain and raised in Denmark, with a double master's in design and architecture, Gideon Lowy came to Taiwan for the first time in 1995 to attend a symposium of the International Council of Societies of Industrial Design. That's when he met his future wife Liao Jialing and embarked on a collaboration with Taiwan that convinced him of the country's development. In 2002, he decided to settle here. Really, what attracted me to Taiwan was this incredible curiosity and openness to learn, to invite people, to develop, to move forward, and to open up. Experience in the world. There's no other country like Taiwan, which has had such an amazing development, so peacefully, so harmoniously, and with such amazing results. The couple originally worked in Denmark, but eventually, Loewi encouraged his wife to return to Taiwan and contribute to her field here. He said to me, "You're a talent, like it or not. But as a talent, you're abroad, contributing to other countries. It's like you're watering other people's fields. Your country is changing, and it needs lots of international talent right now, as well as professional skills. Come back to your country to contribute." While working in Denmark, Loewi won many international design prizes. He helped design a telephone set for a historic Danish audio company, incorporating super thin speakers for interior design purposes. He also designed a pyramid-shaped tea bag for a Taiwanese brand. Loewi often says, "Design is about making life better." We love to design for them because they give us a lot of opportunity, just as Taiwan has given us a lot of opportunity. So we've been able to help small companies, big companies, the government, universities, industry, business, help to upgrade to the next level. This is really what we do. Working with industry, academia, and government, Loewi's observation of historical changes and cultural evolution in Taiwan leads him to choose Taiwan as his home. Tucked away in one of Shenzhou's military dependence villages is a restaurant beloved for its northeastern Chinese food. Originally from China, Yuying decided to open the noodle shop over 20 years ago to support her family. She serves favorites from her hometown like giant dumplings, wraps, and fried rice, but with a twist. Since it's doubled as her family kitchen, she makes everything a little healthier without too much oil, salt, or MSG. When meal time arrives, the kitchen is like a well-oiled machine. The side dishes are lined up neatly in the front, all aiming to satisfy hungry diners. This is the owner of the popular Shinju restaurant, Yuying from Shandong. She opened the shop to help support her family after marrying into the military dependence village. She sells a dizzling array of northeastern Chinese foods, from noodles, dumplings, and hot and sour soup to wraps and even fried rice. When I moved here, my mother-in-law lived with us. If I didn't have time to go back and cook for her, she'd come downstairs to eat. We never use MSG because all my staff and family eat here, so we want to make it healthier without so much oil and salt. Their specialty is that northern staple, dumplings. Yu still insists on making them by hand. After stretching the wrapper taut, she places a generous heap of filling and pinches it closed with both hands. It's a skill she's been training since she was a child. All at once, just put one hand on top and press. That's it. 
What started as a single-person operation over 20 years ago now employs a dozen employees. To keep things running smoothly, the kitchen layout has been carefully considered. We have two boiling stations, one for dumplings and wontons, and the other for noodles. One person is in charge of each. This way we can go fast. She has developed her own management philosophy that not only ensures consistent quality, but also a dedicated staff with minimal turnover. In a small business, everyone helps out. Anyone can do anything, but sometimes the customer gets overlooked. Yet if you do the same thing every day, you'll get better at it. They'll eventually get comfortable and will be proficient at every aspect of their job. The food she serves her customers is also what her family loves to eat, serving up the real deal that is also healthy. Yu's belief has never wavered as she keeps the flavors of her home alive and well. Taiwan's real total wages have fallen for the first time in seven years. The real wage is how much a person earns after accounting for inflation. According to government data for last year, the average real wage fell for the first time since 2017, dipping to 53,000 NT a month. Regular wages, which don't include bonus or overtime pay, also decreased to 41,000 NT a month. Which sectors paid the most in 2023? According to the government, maritime transport was the top employer paying a monthly average of 142,000 NT. Financial services and banking also paid well with salaries of around 110,000. The electronic sector followed closely, offering a monthly average of 90,000 NT.